Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. It is officially time to begin one of my favorite exercises we do here at CR, a tradition that began last season, but one we hope to carry into each and every college tennis season moving forward. That, of course, is an exercise we refer to as NCAA Press Row, where I attempt to speak with each of the remaining 16 men's and women's head coaches prior to the start of the NCAA Tournament round of 16. Now, each of these conversations you'll hear over the next few days will be relatively similar in format. I want to talk to each of these coaches about their NCAA opening weekends, what allowed them to advance to this NCAA Sweet 16. Then I want to recap the season, where things stand. I want to talk about each team's best win of the year, the match they perhaps would like to replay the most from the course of the season. We'll talk about the team MVP, the most improved players that have made the success possible for all of these teams this season. Then, of course, I got to pick the coaches' brains about some big picture topics. I want to talk about the Super Regional format going to the top eight seeds for this round of 16 versus the traditional all-sweet 16 matches are played at one location format. What do these coaches prefer? Still very early in the exercise of determining if the Super Regional is worthwhile, but always fun to hear the coaches' initial reactions. And then, of course, we'll try to preview all of these Sweet 16 matches. I will try to coax as many match calculi as I I can from each of these coaches. What is their pathway to four points? How do they project their team's success moving forward throughout the NCAA tournament? We'll talk about all of that and so much more. Again, have a jam-packed week of content prepared for all of you listeners as we get all of you ready for the 2022 college tennis season's home stretch. Of course, you're going to be able to find each of these conversations both here on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed as well as on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, you will also hear the same intro outro on each of these podcasts. I do apologize for that fact. Just makes life a little bit easier, a little bit cleaner for both myself and super producer Daniel Westoff. But again, over the next five days, I will attempt to speak with each and every men's and women's head coach remaining in the 2022 Division I NCAA tournament. Of course, the reason we're able to do that here on the Cracked Interviews podcast is because of the support we get from all of you college tennis fans out there who have tuned in week in, week out. We are immensely grateful for that fact. Also, I have to give a huge shout out to our friends at Swing Vision, who, of course, are on the forefront of all artificial intelligence innovations happening within the tennis world. If you are a college tennis head coach listening to these podcasts, if you are a player, if you are someone with high-level tennis aspirations, download the Swing Vision app today. You'll have access to more data, more things to improve your tennis game than you ever had before, all within the palm of your hand in an app on your phone. So again, learn more about our friends at Swing Vision by clicking on the link in the description to this podcast. I promise all of you, it is the most efficient way to improve your game in the modern day. A huge thank you to our friends at Swing Vision. Use that promo code CRACK20 when you sign up. But again, appreciate all of their support for this show. With that said, again, press row coming up. Going to try and speak with each of the remaining 16 men's and women's head coaches before the start of the NCAA round of 16. With that in mind, let's get to this interview. Hey, crack fans. 
Before we get to today's show, I want to let all of you listeners know about the revolutionary work being done by our friends over at Swing Vision. Now, all of us as tennis players are constantly searching for that piece of information that's going to give us that one, two, three percent edge whenever we step onto the court. We want to know, am I hitting my forehand with enough depth? Am I accurately placing my backhands? Am I employing patterns on the court that are putting me in an optimum position to experience success? Thankfully, all of those questions can now be answered via the app produced by our friends at Swing Vision. Folks, it's extraordinarily simple. You're going to download the app. You're going to turn that app on your phone. You're going to put your phone on the back fence, the back curtain of whatever court you're playing on. You're going to hit record. And then using artificial intelligence, Swing Vision is going to break down your performance. If you click on the link that you find in the podcast description here on today's episode, you'll go right to the Swing Vision website. And of of course, friends who use our Cracked Rackets promo code CRACK20 are going to get an additional $20 discount and a free 14-day pro trial on the Swing Vision app. Again, you use that promo code CRACK20, $20 discount, as well as a free 14-day pro trial. How do you find the link? To get signed up, just go back to your podcast feed. It's in the podcast description of this episode. You go to the Swing Vision website, you set up your account, you download the app, you get rocking and rolling, get all the information one location with our friends at Swing Vision. Joining us on the podcast once again today is a returning champion here on our Crack Racket shows, a man you all may know best as a former All-American while playing at Stanford University. Of course, now we know him as the Stanford men's tennis head coach. Welcome back to the show, Coach Paul Goldstein. Coach, congratulations on another Sweet 16. How are you doing today? Appreciate that, Alex. Thanks for having me. An incredible honor to be here and to be called a champion of former podcasts with you. That's uh, that's high praise. Yeah, you know, I, I do what I can. You know, on the resume or the Twitter bio, if you want to throw in an Alex Gruskin said returning champion, I'm not going to hold that against you. Or, you know, I'd say that's probably pitch number two when you're recruiting prospective athletes. But uh, obviously something that will help you guys on the recruiting trail and help your program is making another Sweet 16. And of course, you guys were forced to go on the road to Harvard and you guys ultimately take the battle of the brains 4-3 victory for the Cardinal to advance to the Sweet 16. Let's start there. Gotta love some drama to kick off your NCAA tournament, right? Yeah, it was, you know, it was a, like all of us, I think we have adversity throughout the season and ups and downs throughout the season. And we had some opportunities maybe to put ourselves in a position to host, didn't take advantage of them, uh, had the opportunity then to go to Cambridge, started out with a really strong Mississippi State team. Uh, and we're pleased with our performance uh, against Mississippi State on Friday, leading into the, the match on Saturday against Harvard. And that Harvard team is a really, really good team. Um, you know, we woke up on Saturday, we played Mississippi State on Friday outdoors, woke up on Saturday morning, and the forecast was for 50 degrees and 20 mile an hour winds-ish. And I think those are both sort of the thresholds for when you might move indoors, 50 and 20. And then there was reports of gusts that could get up to 30 and 40 degrees. And so we arrived at the site and uh, they, they moved us indoors right away. Uh, so we had the opportunity to uh, warm up indoors 
get ready to get ready to play. And it was just a, a battle from the beginning. The doubles point comes down to one match and uh, we come back from uh, uh, 40 love at 40 all, excuse me, at five all to break uh, and then have the chance to serve it out at six, five and get down a break point and, uh, and play two really good points, uh, two really good doubles points to get the doubles point, which turned out to be really, uh, really important. Uh, as uh, going back a little bit, uh, going indoors, uh, they, I don't know what their crowds are like normally, but it was a great crowd. It was a great crowd, which was really fun to be a part of that, even though most of them were rooting for the Crimson. Uh, it was really fun to be part of that. Uh, and so there was good energy in the building for throughout. We, uh, uh, we started out in singles and lost five of six uh, first sets, which is not the way you'd like to get going. Um, and then, you know, we had a, Alex Rothschild played very well at number four and was off the court in straight sets, which helps us with the, you know, the scoreboard a little bit, getting up 2-0. Uh, Arthur, who hadn't played the day before, coming off a little bit of an illness at number one, uh, had lost the first set, uh, lots of deuce points there, still felt pretty good about getting his rhythm going and, and played an excellent second and third set to beat a very good player in Henry von der Schulenberg. Um, and then was really impressed with the way Harvard played at number two with Harry Walker. Um, very clutch. Uh, won a lot of deuce points in that match. Served very well to get himself, uh, to keep himself sort of his nose out in front uh, of Axel at number two. I'll come back to number three because that was pretty epic. Uh, <laughs> at number five, uh, I was also very impressed uh, with Harvard at number five. Uh, we had Sangeet Sridhar playing and um, Daniel Malofsky just uh, played big, big sort of indoor tennis and then played very well. And then at number six, man, it was an excellent match between Tim Saw and Stephen Sun. Came down to seven five in the third for Stephen Sun, but gosh, both deuce points at five all and five six. Uh, uh, Timmy on our side had, had break points at five five all, made two returns, and Stephen went serve plus one winners on both of them, uh, and that's just earning it and playing very well. And uh, Timmy loses a, a deuce point at five, six for us to lose the match. And then you turn to number three and Max Basin is serving three, five deuce. And so we're down a team match point all of a sudden uh, he gets that point. And for the next three games, Max was pretty, pretty incredible. Uh, don't know that he missed a ball for three games uh, to close out uh, a, a comeback against Brian Chi, who played outstanding tennis um, and, send us on to the next round seven five and a third but it was it was an, an extraordinary match between two very good players uh high level tennis under pressure situation so it was fun and, and we're happy to still be dancing yeah no that's what college tennis is all about you bring up that match uh for max who as you mentioned three five down in the third set against brian she who of course is a senior uh for this harvard team and i know they haven't played in a couple of seasons but obviously he's been around the block and you know to have a freshman like max go 22 and four overall again first year on the job for him and 17 and two in dual match singles play you've seen a lot of good freshmen and a lot of good players in your day what has allowed Max to thrive the way he has this season? Just his, uh, don't know that I've seen someone freshman, sophomore, freshman, senior, doesn't matter, uh, who's just as uh, mentally ro uh, rock steady as Max. Uh, really just um, hard to, just haven't seen that guy break, haven't seen that guy give an inch at all. 
and so just just so impressed with what he's given us throughout the course of this year. Just an absolute rock. We call him Alcatraz. <laughs> that's good. Or now you're just going to call him Alcaraz because you're like, that's probably just as impressive. Um, but yeah, that's good. It's, it's early. So, you know, the, the one-liners aren't where they need to be uh, from my end. But, you know, with that in mind, one guy you mentioned at the number four spot was Alex Rothsart, who obviously earns a 6-2-6 love victory uh, to put a quick singles point on the board for your team. And he got a straight set victory over Mississippi State as well. Now you look for Alex, who of course is another guy with plenty of experience on your roster. The numbers, maybe not the kindest to him. Twelve and four over uh, twelve and seven overall, eight and four in the dual match season. You know, again, is he playing his best tennis of the year right now? Because the results seem to indicate he may be. I sure hope so, and I believe so. Uh, one of the things we've seen from Alex over the course of the last several weeks here, uh, towards the you know, since our conference championship. It's just a young man who's who's really embracing and enjoying um, college tennis, enjoying sort of his last few weeks on campus, um, even use the word nostalgia a little bit uh, as he comes towards the end of his uh, collegiate career. Uh, and I think with that comes a bit of, uh, with that end line, end of that rainbow comes a little bit of perspective. Um, and he seems to be just arriving at this perspective uh, uh, where he's some of that pressure is coming off and some of that enjoyment and joy of what he's been doing for the last you know 16 years um, at a really high level and with lots of passion um, before he embarks on sort of the next endeavor in his in his life journey. Uh, just has a perspective that he seems to really be enjoying it. And I think what's coming from that is, is, is really high quality tennis. Yeah. Uh, it's really neat to see. Yeah. And with that in mind, your team 19 and five overall on the year. And, you know, you guys got the chance to play at the national indoors. You guys got to see, and some of the best of the best, obviously in college tennis with that perspective in mind, I am curious do you think your team has played their best match of the season yet this year? Because watching, you know, again, 19 and five is an eye popping number. And yet having actually watched you all play, I'm pretty convinced there's yet to be a match. And maybe Harvard was the closest where all six players in the lineup play their best on the same day. Is that a feeling you would share? Yeah, I don't even know against Harvard that all six played our best yeah. on that day. Uh, and yeah, and I think our best tennis is ahead of us. Mm-hmm. How do you get your team in, you know, again, over the past week to try and get that much closer as you guys approach this Sweet 16? Uh, well, one of the things coming out of our pack, uh, conference championship was having a couple of weeks to get ready for NCAAs. And, mm-hmm. You know, we often talk about um, using the course of the, the balance of the year to get ourselves ready to be playing our best tennis in May. And one of the ways we thought about getting there this year was not putting too much emphasis on May, but trying to be our best every day. Uh, and if you make those keep getting better every day is keep getting better. Um, hopefully by, by May, when you, you want to be at your best, you, you give yourself that opportunity. Uh, but we had, you know, one of the things we talked about after the conference championship was like, okay, new season. It's a new season. There's no freshman anymore. Max isn't a freshman anymore. Played throughout the course of the year. And, and right now we're two and zero on the new season. Yeah. We played two matches in the tournament. We're two and zero, and that's it. Uh, we're still on the early part of our new season, um, and I, I do think we have a, a fair amount of guys who have had quite a bit of experience on our team right now. 
uh, and you can include Max in that, just even if he's a freshman, we've got seniors and, and more than one of them have that perspective. I think that Alex had, uh, that Alex has right now, in that some of those, uh, the guys on our team are moving on and these seniors and these fifth years in particular uh, to the next phase of their life journey. And they, and they are, uh, I think more than anything this year, they've really enjoyed being with one another um, and are playing for one another. And, you know, whether we win four more matches or not, it's, it's the team, the dual match uh, season is, is in its sort of end stages. And I think our guys are enjoying that, uh, have a good perspective on that. Uh, and I think, and I believe that our best tennis is ahead of us because of that. Yeah, I will say this, and Alex, that feels perspective is always a dangerous thing. I can speak from experience and on that one. And so, um, yeah, I mean, again, looking at your team this season and, uh, again, trying to have them all click as we approach this Sweet 16. I know this is going to be a nerdy question, but I talked about this with Coach Farood, and I would love to hear your opinion as well. How difficult is it to negotiate the quarter system within the framework of college tennis? Like your guy, you know, some teams, they're either finishing finals or they already have. Your guys are still going through it right now, right? Not finals, though. Not yeah. finals. We're not in finals right now. So You guys are what, midterms, maybe? Yeah, I mean, we're, you know, yeah. about three quarters of the way through sure. a, a quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the benefit of the quarter system is there's three – there's more bites at the apple for the course of the year. There's three opportunities to sort of take classes uh, throughout the course of the year or choose your classes as opposed to two. Um, it's the same amount of weeks in a, in an academic year as a semester. And it just gives you more bites at the apple. Um, the timing of the beginning and ends of quarters are different than beginning of events of semesters. Sure. Um, but it's the same length of an ac- uh, academic year as, as a semester system. Um, and I'd much rather be where we are now than in the midst of finals and going on the road and having to take finals or having to take finals in the middle midst of your um, of your NCAA championship is, is not ideal at all. Yeah. And one of the things that we talk with our guys about from the beginning is just uh, open and early communication with professors. And I think, you know, at Stanford, you get there and the community, once you're there, really wants to see you thrive. And as long as there's you know, transparent communication about what's going on uh, and the, the commitment from the tennis side, uh, I found that our uh, faculty have been extraordinarily supportive uh, of our guys and uh, helping them get the work done on the road, uh, et cetera. So uh, we've been able to manage it so far pretty well. And I think one of the characteristics you learn as a student athlete anywhere, yeah. uh, tennis per- perhaps more so just because we're a 365 day a year sport um, without much, uh, too much of an off season is the ability to manage time effectively. And that's a skill set that's going to benefit you throughout your tennis career and then throughout the next 40, 50 years of your life as well. How good have you gotten at proctoring exams? It's a, it's one of the, one of the responsibilities you have in this role. Yeah, I can imagine. You're like, you look at it, you're like, hey, you got five minutes left. You're like, fill out that Scantron, let's roll. Um, no, that that's obviously fun. And the reason I wanted to bring up the quarter system is because obviously you guys travel down to Waco right now and you're going to take on Baylor in the Sweet 16 Super Regional. I'm curious what you prefer, and I know it's only year two, but this Super Regional format or the Giant Site Sweet 16? Uh, well, I think go back to context. Why did the Giants site Sweet 16 move to a super regional format? It's because uh, you really wanted that emphasis on that round of 16 match, right? And if you go to the Giants site with two set two banks of six courts, 
uh, and you're got, trying to get through your round of 16 matches, you know, there are going to be matches on the sort of satellite site, if you will, at 9 a.m. for a round of 16. Does that really feel like a round of 16 uh, moment for the student athlete? Does that experience feel like a round of 16 NCAA championship match? Uh, and at times I think it didn't. And that's the reason the super regional uh, mm-hmm. was, uh, it wasn't created because it's been going in other sports, but it was adopted by, by collegiate tennis. And we're getting ready to play on Friday night at Baylor. And I'd, I expect us to have a massive crowd and that's going to feel like a round of 16 experience. Uh, now for our, for both teams, you know, it'll feel like a round of 16 experience for us as well. The only challenge for us is it's going to feel uh, like we're in hostile territory, yeah. uh, but it still feels like around a 16 experience. So that's why it happened uh, from that standpoint. Uh, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I know our guys are as well. Those are the types of experiences that you remember uh, as you look back on your collegiate tennis experience, 20 years from now, our guys will remember Friday night. There's no doubt about that. Uh, hopefully it's a fond memory for our guys and less so for the, for the bears. Uh, <laughs> both sides will remember that moment because of the experience. Um, and, you know, maybe less so if we're in a satellite site at 9am with all, with, you know, 32 teams there, both 16 men and 16 women. Uh, and so, you know, I think the trade-off is, uh, we are the trade-off right now and that we are a West coast team that had to travel East and then went home for 48 hours and then has to travel back, you know, three quarters of the country. And then, you know, should we advance, there's more travel there. And so that is, that's certainly the trade-off. Yeah, no, I mean, I appreciate the perspective as well. The other thing I would always add to the fans who are not a fan of it, it's only year two, like wait till four or five and then maybe your team's top eight and you get to host and you go, Oh, this is pretty fun. Again, one more big picture item for you here. You hear, people refer to softball and the road to Omaha, Omaha being that home site for all of college softball, the college softball world series. Does tennis need that? Like, are we lacking in Omaha? Would that benefit the sport? I believe it would. I think of some of the, and here's a perspective I have is that some of our, I think most successful and cherished uh, events in our sport are in communities that see an event every year and really come out for it. I think about Kalamazoo, uh, uh, which that community, which is the boys 16, 18 junior nationals uh, and has been there for, you'd have to check my numbers, but on the order of a century, um, maybe less, but certainly a long, long time. No, Billy Martin won the first title there in 1899. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and that's an event that still to this day, the community comes out for and young people who have the chance to play there feel that that tradition when they're there. Uh, I think about Ojai, which is our Pac-12 championships, and that's a a tennis festival for California, in particular Southern California. Uh, The Pac-12 championships are there. Obviously, that's teams from Arizona and the Pacific Northwest as well. Uh, but the high school championships for Southern California are there at the same time. Uh, There's an open men's event. There's an open, junior event. There's multiple events at the same time and they culminate uh, all in the, in the town and they culminate at the final site. Uh, that feels like a really special event. Um, 
let's see, you know, the U S open, obviously it's a bigger city, but mm -hmm. there's, you know, you're going there every year. That feels like a very special event. And in college tennis right now, at least we're, we're, we're changing every couple of years or in some cases every year, you know, we don't have that as much. And I think it's wonderful for uh, each one of the sites to sort of gear up for it on a year to year basis, but you lose that sort of tradition of going to the same place every year. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the, we lose that benefit of having that community really know what's coming every year uh, and really come out for it in a big way. And Orlando would be the obvious site to turn to, as it is the mecca of tennis here in the United States. They've got 100 courts. They've got the facility to do it. Would I mean, you, you played an NCAA tournament in Athens, I'm sure, one or two in your day. Would you be fine if Athens became that home? Because I know it's partisan massive advantage for Georgia, but you talk about a community. Athens gets college tennis. I know there are a lot of transplants in Orlando, but it's not. it doesn't seem as natural of a fit. I think that's a fair perspective, and, and we played more than one or two at still championships <laughs> when I was uh, a student, and we played three uh, yeah. out of four years in Athens. And in many of those years – um, I was fortunate to be on, on, on strong teams. And in many of those years, Georgia also had strong teams and we played them in Athens in those three years twice, uh, including in the NCAA finals, once in the NCAA semifinals. Um, and it was, those are, you know, I talk about our guys. Uh, we'll remember Friday night, 20 years from now, why I'm 20 years out from those experiences of playing Georgia at Georgia in Athens in the NCAA tournament. And I remember those. And fortunately for me and my teammates, they were really fond memories. Uh, and you're right, Athens gets it um, in, in a really significant and organic way. Um, and so, yeah, if that, if that were to happen, I think I'd certainly be okay with it. I know Coach Gould used to feel like if he couldn't play at home, he loved playing at Athens. Um, that said, Orlando is, you know, a facility that certainly uh, can, 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 hosted in a, in a really, really strong way. Um, but, you know, it does lack, I mean, have UCF close by, even though it's not right there on campus close by, they do lack that sort of organic college tennis throughout the year uh, type of feeling and that uh, most people have to come in for it or, or be transplants rather than that. I don't know that that community, I mean, the people who work at the facility there, but the people from the community aren't necessarily there quite yet. And they've only had it twice, so maybe they build that over time. Athens has taken 40 years to do what they've done, and Orlando is just getting started. Yeah. I know it's called the McGill Tennis Center in Athens, but you figured they might name the indoors like the Dick Gould Tennis Center just with all the success he's had. Or just, like, give them Court 6, like Dick Gould's Court 6 here in Athens. That would be a nice olive branch to the rest of the college tennis community, perhaps. But, you know, again— it's amazing and deserves every, every sort of accolade at the same time, even— Manny Diaz is going to have all those courts named after him here pretty soon. Yeah, exactly. They'll just, yeah, court one will be M, court two will be A, and they'll yeah. just keep going down until they spell it out. I agree with you. And well, so. yeah, absolutely. With that in mind, let's talk about your team. And again, Sweet 16 with Baylor coming up. If 19 and five overall, if I were to ask you who's the team MVP for the Cardinal this season, who would you go with? Whew. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> not, not fair to, 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 to pick one mm -hmm. is the uh, answer brandon absolutely coach Coop. <laughs> yeah coach Coop, the finest the just the finest human being you could ever be around mm -hmm. um but look i mean when arthur's been arthur's had uh, bouts of sort of not being healthy and so it's missed some matches but when he's been healthy and playing his best tennis 
Uh, we're, we're a really dangerous team. Axel's provided tremendous leadership throughout the course of our year. Um, and, uh, you know, I think he's playing his best tennis right now. Uh, Max as a freshman has been extraordinary, extraordinary. Two dual match losses over the course of the whole season. Uh, an epic, epic match uh, in the round of 32. The reason we're here right now. Uh, and I got to give a ton of credit to Brian Chi for, the, for that match, right? Those guys played it was just a heavyweight battle. I'm just under those circumstances to play the quality of tennis that those two guys played was, was remarkable. And so Max has been just a rock for us all year. Uh, we wouldn't be here today if Rotsi, Alex Rotsart didn't do what he did over the course of last weekend. Right. I mean, he went four and oh, won both his doubles matches, won both his singles matches, played his best match of the year uh, against Harvard in our last match. And we're, we're still dancing because of him. Uh, Sangeet come as, uh, been playing number five for us, just coming off a bit of an injury, uh, excuse me, a bit of an illness um, prior to prior to that last weekend, uh, and has had chance, had time to sort of build his strength back up. But prior to that, uh, and prior to the Pac-12 tournament, had I think the second most dual match wins on the year for us. And Tim Saw has been our captain now for what this is his third year as captain. Is just a tremendous leader, um, and is also playing some of his most inspired tennis at this time. So. It's hard to it's hard to pick an MVP. All I can say is I feel fortunate to be uh, supporting those young men. Uh, and uh, at this point in the season, I'm just trying to stay out of their way. <laughs> I like that. Well, on the flip side, who's improved the most this year? Improved the most this year. Uh, it's tough. I know there are a lot of good choices to choose from. I feel like Max walked on campus. I mean, again, I'll do some editorializing here. Obviously, you know, there have been a lot of guys who have been good on your roster for quite a bit of time. For me, the guy that points out, I, I mean, I know he lost his last match, but I just feel so confident in Tim now. It just feels like nothing phases Tim on court in a way that maybe early in his career. I mean, again, he's been a guy who's always been in the fight. But it just feels like he's mastered the speed of the game now. I think that's a really astute observation. I think early in, in Tim's career and honestly this year that he would go through bouts of sort of um, where his uh, performance mindset wouldn't necessarily enhance his performance. Yeah. And that has changed even in this match that he lost on uh, on Saturday. He was steady and a rock throughout that match. And he just got beat in the end, right? I mean... <laughs> Steven just played quality tennis and, and earned it. He really did, but he went out and grabbed it and, and Tim didn't lose it. And there have been times throughout Tim's career um, where he maybe lost a match. Yeah. Steven won that match. Uh, and so I think the improvement there is, is as much, if not more in the performance mindset as any sort of skill development. Uh, and that's one of the wonderful things about college tennis, which we don't get anywhere else is this is a team sport and that weekend was a team win i mean everybody contributed uh, arthur couldn't play on friday and philip kolashinsky played against mississippi state and was up a break in the third it was his first match in nearly two years a year and a half coming back from various amounts of in, various injuries and you're, you're not going to find a harder working worker than philip to get himself back healthy enough to be able to be in a position to contribute for us how many times is the first match a guy plays all year is the first round of the NCAA tournament? <laughs> yeah. That's not a situation any coach wants to put one of their young people in. And we did that with Philip, and he stepped up and he was there. 
Um, yeah. So, but I, I, but I think in terms of improvement, Tim's performance mindset, I think is a really good, um, is a really good sort of one to, to go with. Mm-hmm. One more I would throw at you, and it's a question we talk about on our show from time to time. How good is Sangeet? Because he's clinched four matches for you guys this season, and again, twelve and five overall, eleven and four in dual match play. Obviously, those are good numbers. And yet, like again, I swear I have no idea how good he is on a match by match basis. Uh, well, Sangi has dealt with a lot of injuries throughout yeah. the course of his career here. Uh, last year was man, he was he sort of went down with an injury in August. Is it surgery? Is it not surgery? Okay, we're not going to have surgery. Months and months of rehab, working his tail off to get himself back healthy finally gets it back into the lineup for a match or two and that injury resurfaces and then he needs surgery and so then he has to go through that process uh and then had uh got himself ready to sort of start playing in in january for his first match and 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 in some time and and i think if uh, really exceeded our and his own expectations um, early part of the season, given where he was physically for the prior sort of nine months, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I think his, you know, strongest tennis that we saw from him was during a healthy stretch during his sophomore campaign, where he was consistently the number three player on our team, but played number three and was playing at a level, uh, I think, you know, consistent with some of the top players on our team. Uh, and then sort of dealt with some of those injuries. Uh, but when he he's a guy who needs reps, he's a guy who needs uh, strength in his legs. Uh, when he misses time, uh, it takes him you know a little bit longer to sort of get some of that strength back. But when he has it, he can play at the, at the highest level of anybody. Uh, he can play through you. Uh, he's best, I think, when he's playing loose and when he's playing through you. Uh, when he's transitioning and finishing points at the net, uh, playing just really loose with his serve, um, and that's when he's at his best. Uh, but he needs to work for it. He's not someone like me. And I was the same way. I didn't feel like I had, you know, the most talent in my pinky. Uh, I needed to work for it. I needed to feel like I had worked harder than my opponent. Um, That was my competitive advantage when I got on the court mentally that I felt like, you know, you and I are playing Alex, but I knew that I had put in more work for you. And I was, then you uh, had just been preparation for that match. And that was going to be my competitive advantage. And I think Sangi's got a little bit more of that in him, uh, like feet. And so when he has those reps, when he has that time, he's an excellent, excellent player. And I think it's uh, sort of in that, in that position right now. Prime Goldstein versus Prime Gruskin is at best an 0-1 victory for you. Like, at best, I'm getting the game. Let's be very clear. Um, and that's if you're like, yeah, I'll throw this kid a game because he was pretty nice on the changeovers. I also feel like Sangeet is sneaky, huge, like a big guy. Like, you forget his size and his ability to impose yourself. Like, quite a 6'3", 6'4", uh, you're going to see out there on court. But, I mean, again... I think one of the staples, and we talked about this before the season began, is the depth and the parity in college tennis this season. It feels like, A, you can't just have, you know, your one, two, four, and doubles. You have to be able to compete at all six singles positions if you want to make a run in this NCAA tournament. And with that mind uh, in mind, before I let you go, what's it going to take from your guys and your team to not only advance past Baylor, but to continue to play on here in the postseason? Well, I mean, obviously not looking past Friday night. It's an excellent Baylor team that's defending runner-ups in the NCAA tournament. Um, but I, all I can tell you is 
I feel as good about our team right now, about our squad right now as I have all season. Uh, they're playing for one another. They're playing some of their best tennis. They're playing some inspired tennis. They're playing with a really good perspective. Uh, we are going to, we know we're heading into a hostile and loud environment. We're not going to back down from anything. Um, and we're looking forward to a really good competition and, and just, you know, each one of our guys know what they need to do to, to impose their strengths and play their best tennis. And that's our expectation from the first point of the match in both singles and doubles heading out there. And we'll let the chips fall where they may if we can do that. I like it. What do we have to do to just get the Cardinal plural and Stanford Cardinals? I know this I is a little... Yeah, but I like... I, why? Uh, Aren't you guys smart? Plural. The plural of Cardinal is Cardinal. No, that's factually inaccurate i don't believe it i'm just gonna you know spot you i talked to both marion and webster and they disagree <laughs> and so we'll have to put that on the side but no coach goldstein always a pleasure to get the chance to chat with you and uh, i always appreciate you taking the time to you know keep us in the loop and let us know what's happening and obviously wishing you and your team success and health throughout the course of this weekend and you know good luck to you all as you look to close out 2022 in the fashion you guys desire Appreciate you, Alex. Keep up the good work. I appreciate you. Of course. Always a pleasure, Coach. Take care. See ya. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with another head coach of a Sweet 16-bound college tennis team. A huge thank you both to this coach and every coach for taking the time to chat with us here at Cracked Rackets. Again, trying to set the scene for all of you listeners down the 2022 college tennis season's home stretch. I've been immensely flattered by the reception we have gotten from all of these coaches who are so willing to participate in this exercise. And again, try to set the scene. For all of you listeners, try to make sure you maximize your enjoyment through these final few weeks of the college tennis season. The plan here is to interview all 32 remaining head coaches. Now, it's only a success if we hit all 32. So I promise you, listeners, that will be our goal, as that is what we were able to accomplish last season. Again, you can find all of those podcasts here on this feed. You can find them on our website, crackrackets.com. A shout-out, as always, to super producer Daniel Westoff on the ones and twos. He has a f- of an editing job to do this week, makes all of this content possible. So shout out to him. Shout out to our friends at Swing Vision as well. Again, learn more about the Swing Vision app by clicking on the link in the description to this show. With all of that said, for our fantastic guest, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Swing Vision, from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Priceline.